My name is AJ. I'm here to talk about 10 reasons why the UK is pretty much screwed. Unfortunately, I can't use a better word, and screwed seems to be the most appropriate word at, at this moment in time. So, before I start, again the usual gibberish about liking the video, uh, sharing it. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you're subscribed. And if you really like the video and you really want to support me, you're welcome to join my Patreon or you can buy me a coffee as well. So without wasting any more time, let's get on with the show. Number one, Global Britain. So this article says, though, it's the worst quality of life in Europe. I have to agree. I live in UK and UK has got a lot of problems and I know and I know a lot of people and everyone says the same thing. You know, the cost of living is so bad, so expensive, even public transport is so expensive. In the mornings when you have to go to work, you're having to push yourselves into the train, especially the central line and you're literally face to face with somebody else and if if you don't push yourself in, you cannot get to work, you will be late. And I feel sorry for a lot of women out there who have to go to work. And these women are pretty much, very, you know, they're basically stuck in between all of these sweaty men. And these men are really sweaty around them. And these women, they don't even know if they're being abused or not in the underground. And it's really disgusting because even these women, they, they're not even that strong to push themselves into these trains. And if they don't do it, they'll again, they're going to be late for work. Um, so London public transport is horrible and it's so expensive. It really is one of the most expensive uh, transports in the world. Driving is even worse. You've got the congestion charge and they've increased um, the congestion charging. And it's absolutely ridiculous. You can see um, London con congestion charging to be made permanent. And it's gone from 11.50 to £15 a day. And and again, Sadiq Khan announces the biggest London tube and bus fare hike in a decade. So driving your car is expensive. Driving, going public transport is expensive. But still, it hasn't made any difference. You can see a high air pollution warning issued for London. Even though with all of this congestion charging and and stuff, it's all about making money end of the day. Because, you know, there's still a huge amount of pollution because you've got a lot of Uber drivers and taxis and delivery drivers for Amazon. And, you know, there's a huge amount of cars on the road and there's so much traffic around London. It's unbelievable amount of traffic. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It really is the worst place to live. Sometimes when I was younger, I remember I had to drive to work. It used to take me two hours and it wasn't even that far. It was only maybe two miles away. And this two hours, I used to be stuck on traffic in the morning. Two hours of traffic in the morning, and then two hours of traffic in the in when, when I finish work to go back go back home because that's how bad it is. Even though it's not a long distance, the fact that you spend most of your time in traffic it, it just says a lot. Another problem with with England is you know they they got CCTV cameras everywhere, and they have realised. The best way to make money in UK is to target motorists. So they've got CCTV cameras on every single road. And if you're 
a car and you drive accidentally on the bus lane, you'll get a £130 ticket. If you park on a road and you pay for like one hour, and if you even if you're one minute late, you get another ticket because not only do they have people walking around the streets giving you tickets, they also have CCTV cameras. So if these people walking around the streets miss it, these your CCTV cameras will give you a ticket. And again, these are £130, £150. You just can't live in London without getting a ticket of some sort. And so many people are losing their cars and going to debt and they have bailiffs knocking on their doors and taking their belongings because, because of all of these tickets. Because if you don't pay within 30 days, they double, then they start tripling. And if you don't pay in six months, uh, a hundred pound ticket can turn into one thousand or even two thousand pounds because you got all of these bailiffs knocking on your door and they start charging you bailiff fees and things like that. It's absolutely ridiculous living in London sometimes. The middle class are being used and abused for everything they have got. And then you have the NHS system and the NHS system is so bad. You know, there's waiting lists for six months or a year. And I was trying to get some blood tests um, when I had coronavirus and it was so horrible. And my blood test, I had to wait over two or three weeks. And when I got treated for coronavirus, it was the worst kind of treatment I've ever had in my life. And I don't want to talk about it, but it was, it, it was really the worst experience I had with the NHS. And you got the nurses as well who have been on the front line and the doctors and they only had a 1% pay rise, 1% pay rise for all of their hard work and being on the front line with coronavirus. 1% is nothing. If you count the cost of inflation and the cost of everything going up and, you know, basically they're making a lot, they're making a loss. They're not making a 1% pay rise, you know, with everything going up, nurses are actually making a loss. And the education system, you know, the education system is is way too expensive. The average student cannot afford it. And by the time they finish a degree, they end up 30, 40,000 pounds in debt, which they can never pay back because they can hardly get any jobs afterwards. And then you have the services as well. The services are so bad in UK. Like, for example, if I'm on the trains in London, there's no internet on the trains. While if you go to a train in, in um, China, you have 5G internet, super fast. And the services in London, you just it's worse than third world countries. I mean, I can go on, but let's carry on with the video. So as you know, Britain had gone through Brexit um, a few years ago. And it was a really good opportunity for Britain to really become a global Britain. Britain having its own foreign policy, which is outside of Europe, and being very independent. I did not vote for Brexit because I knew it is an absolutely bad idea to have Brexit. So I definitely did not vote for it. I was totally against it. But I can understand why a lot of people voted for it because they wanted to be independent from EU. They wanted to have their own policies. And I can understand why a lot of people voted for it. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out that way. Basically, Britain has become 
independent from the EU, but it has become a complete vassal state for the United States. It has become the biggest puppet or the biggest poodle for the United States I have ever seen. I have grown up in England when it was before Brexit. I mean, way before Britain even joined the EU. But I was a little kid at the time. And I was at school. And um, I remember having some uh, American kids um, in our school. And we used to tease, um, tease these American kids all the time. And um, they used to be really, really arrogant. And we used to tease them all the time. And we used to say, ah, ha, ha, you lost the Vietnam War. And they used to get really riled up, these uh, American kids. And they used to get so angry when we used to point fingers at them and say, ha, 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 you lost the Vietnam War. You're not, you're not as powerful as you think you are. And we used to really make fun out of them. I can guarantee you that if the Vietnam War happened today, Britain would be the first one putting its hand up and say, Me, me, sir. Me, me, sir. Please take me with you, sir. Please, please, please take me with you. You know, I was proud back in the day when you thought Britain was independent. It had its own foreign policy. It had the strength to say no to America when it came to helping them in the Vietnam War. I just wish that our leaders did have some common sense and have some, you know, independence and balls to say no to the United States time to time. And Boris Johnson is the, he is the biggest puppet of them all. I thought the other guy, Tony Blair, was a major puppet. I mean, he is on another level, but Boris Johnson is very, very close to Tony Blair and even probably bigger puppet than Tony Blair ever was. And... I must say I'm completely ashamed, you know, completely sh ashamed of our leader and completely ashamed of how our country is going. Global Britain should have been about being independent, having your own identity and starting your own foreign policy, starting your own trade deals. After Brexit, Boris should have gone to every single country in the world and made a trade deal with them. In fact, the guy was so lazy, he was just at home having his own parties during lockdowns, lying to the British public. And nobody respects him, nobody respects him in UK and nobody respects him in Europe and the rest of the world. I mean, look at this clip here. Nobody shows this guy any respect. Look at that. It's just completely ignored. While everyone else is shaking hands and greeting behind him, this guy is completely ignored by everybody else around the world. Look at him. He looks out of place. He looks lost. I mean, seriously, you got this guy as a leader. Absolute joke. He is such a joke. His press conferences are really horrendous. He talks about Peppa Pig. He turns up drunk. He lies all the time, lies to the British public. The amount of times he nearly got kicked out for lying to the British public, lies about having parties during lockdown and you know, there's one rule for him and another rule for everybody else. This guy single-handedly is destroying Britain. Destroying it. And people are 
not doing anything about it. You know, I would expect people out in the streets demonstrating to, to get this guy out because the amount of damage that he's causing to Britain, he is causing so much damage. So instead of Britain having its own foreign policies around the world, it's basically picked up America's foreign policies and America's interests. And it's become such a puppet state. And all the people that have voted for Brexit to be independent from the EU, now they've become a puppet state of the United States. And I hope they asked for this, because I sure didn't. I'll give you some examples. China, for example. I remember when President Xi Jinping um, came to Britain on a state visit and he was shown around UK and he was given a great great welcome and he was taken to Buckingham Palace to meet the Queen he was taken out by David Cameron he was taken out to a pub for a drink as well and he was taken out to all of our best factories and technologies and showing China the best of Britain and I thought this is really good, you know, this is really good that Britain is doing this, they're building up new relationships with China and Asia, and it's going to be great for the economy. So after that, a lot of Chinese investment started coming into UK, start pouring in, loads of Chinese students starts um, enrolling in UK universities, and everything was good, and Huawei was coming in and they promised 5, 5G for Britain, and everything was good, everything was hunky-dory, until the day Trump decided to start a ridiculous trade war with China. And he phoned his um, mate, Mr. Boris Johnson, and he says, Boris, you got to get rid of Huawei. And Boris Johnson was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you say, sir. And literally got rid of Huawei. And every single thing that the US wanted Boris to do, Ever since then, Boris has done. He has never said no to anything from the United States. And it's come to a point where he's completely destroyed the relationship with China. Completely destroyed. You know, at least Britain should have its own foreign policy with China. China is not a threat to UK. China is a threat to America. It's a threat to America because... It's a threat to America's hegemony and also China is on the other side of, of the Pacific water, Pacific Sea. So it's a threat to America because if China becomes a great power, you've got a great power across the other side of your sea in the Pacific. So for America that is a threat. That's not a threat to Britain. And plus China is the second largest economy, soon to be the largest and already the largest in terms of PPP so China is a big threat to America so I don't understand why Britain got involved in these ridiculous geopolitics with America and America has pretty much um, shafted Britain and ever since then Chinese investments have been going out after the way that Huawei has been treated you know Chinese investments have not been going into UK and in fact Chinese investments have been going out of UK and not only China is an example you know China, Boris should have been going into Southeast Asian countries building up trade links with them 
Um, he should have been going to Central Asia, should have been going to Africa. But no, there's been no trade deals whatsoever. There's only one trade deal with Australia and Australia is pretty much getting all the benefits. They get all of the benefits but while we don't. British farmers are the ones that are losing out because Australia will be able to sell their cheap beef uh, which undercuts the British farmers and there was, there was another ridiculous trade deal with Japan which is exactly the same trade deal that England had with Japan while this whilst being part of the EU so that trade deal doesn't even count so you see it's been an absolute shambles of the foreign policy absolute shambles with the trade deals complete shambles complete shambles and being outside of Brexit actually gives Britain less leverage when it comes to discussing trade deals and getting really good deals because when you're negotiating with the EU. The EU has got a much stronger case because the euro is a stronger currency and the EU is a much bigger market because you have all of these countries as part of the EU. So if you come into the EU, you you can trade with all of these countries in the, with the EU and you will get so much benefits. But England is only one small island. It's only one small country. You know, it, the leverage actually goes down. That's why Britain has not been able to get any good trade deals. In fact, the trade deals Britain gets are even worse. So it brings me to number two, trade deals. So um, America still to this day has rejected a free trade deal with UK. And before Brexit, America was promising UK, oh, if you come out of Brexit, we'll give you a tr free trade deal. Even Trump had said they would do it. Uh, but the current Biden administration had said, no, I'm sorry, we can't give you a free trade deal. And Catherine Tai has actually said that it's not worth the blood and tears um, getting a free trade deal with UK. That was her words. That was her words, you can see here, responsive, that we don't spend years and spend a lot of blood, sweat and tears working on something that isn't going to be relevant to the needs of our people and our economies. So you see, it's not worth the blood and tears. So England is pretty much isolated. They have destroyed their relationship with the EU. They can't trade with the EU anymore because of all these barriers. They can't trade with the United States because of all these barriers. They can't trade with China because they've completely pissed them off. They can't obviously trade with Russia. They can't trade with any of the ASEAN countries or Middle East because they've also ruined their relationship by going into Iraq and going to Afghanistan as poodles of America. So they've destroyed relationships with those, those countries. Africa doesn't like UK because of the colonial past. So they've pretty much not had any luck with trade deals and that is a really really big issue which means they're not going to be competitive when it comes to trade you know while China's going to be competitive there's got free trade deals with the rest of ASEAN RCEP for example with Russia with most countries around the world China has got free trade deals and you know to trade with China is you can save a lot of money but not with UK 
Not with UK, not at all. It's not competitive at all. So this is why UK is going to be going down over the next few years. And there are figures to prove it. I mean, look at this graph. The blue is UK and the purple is EU. So you can see the trade in EU going up and up. And around 2020, the coronavirus hit. So the EU trade went down a bit. But 2021, it started shooting up. But if you look at how UK did, UK trade was going up slightly, then Brexit happened, and coronavirus happened as well, and the trade started going down. And look at 2021, it's still going down. And we haven't got 2022 figures yet, and I bet you that it still would be going down, while Europe has rebounded, and the whole world has rebounded. And you can see this from the Financial Times. UK goods exports are underperforming compared to the rest of the world. And you can see during the coronavirus, everybody was affected. But you can see the rest of the world is starting to get back to normal. So the blue uh, is the world. Um, the red is the advanced economies. And you look at UK languishing at the bottom. It has not recovered and it will not recover. And same with this graph. You can see... You know, maximum G7 excluding the UK, they're shooting up. Minimum G7 excluding the UK, which which means the poorer countries of the G7, even they're doing better than UK. And UK is languishing at the bottom. So you see, the trade deals are horrible. And UK is going down, absolutely going down with the way things are going. So let's look at Britain's GDP, shall we? And you can see here... GDP has grown by 0.8% in January 2022 compared to 0.2% fall in December 2021. I do not see the GDP growing any more than 0.8% this quarter. And you know why? Because this was way before the gas prices are, are, are at ridiculous highs at the moment. You've got the gas prices high, you've got the oil prices high. There is no way, no way that the GDP would improve over the 0.8%. The trade is really low. You know, all the costs of living is really high. The inflation is really high. Cost of materials is really high. Companies are struggling. People are struggling. There is no way. And people are losing jobs as well because companies are struggling to make ends meet. You know, they're, they're having to let go of people. There is no way that Britain would go anywhere more than 0.8% from now. And by the end of the year, I'll be, I think they'll be lucky to get 2% or 3%. I think they're going to be by going way below 1%. That's my prediction. Um, I just don't see anything improving over the next few, year, few, few months or even few years even. And the figures for the first quarter is going to be out. Uh, next month so we'll see how Britain does but I don't have any hope for Britain's GDP growing this year at all. Number three Brexit and the City of London. So I've already mentioned the impacts of Brexit on trade but this is the impact on Brexit on on London and the financial sector. Before Brexit London was the biggest financial centre in Europe and it was up there along with New York and Hong Kong as the biggest financial centres in the world. Since Brexit, a lot of 
companies have been moving moving out of London, a lot of financial services have been moving out of London and a lot of staff have been moving out of London. So this shows um, an article which says Brexit prompts 900 billion exodus from London. This was 16th of April 2021. I can guarantee you 16th of April 2022 this figure is going to be much much more. And the reason it's going to be much much more is because the coronavirus had delayed a lot of companies from moving their staff and assets out of London. Uh, since everything has gone back to normal now and people are seeing that the Britain economy is not doing very well, you can see a lot of lot more companies fast-tracking, moving their staff and moving their assets and companies out of Britain. And a lot of people have not moved because of the working home policy and that's going to be cancelled um, pretty tight very soon uh, a lot more people are going back to work which means they're gonna have to be in the office and they're gonna have to move unfortunately away from London and into these European countries and I found this article which I found really interesting and uh, these are the um, 10, 10 major impacts that Britain um, Brexit has caused Britain um, so you can see over 440 firms have moved out, um, 900 billion in assets and you can see a lot more firms are moving out uh, year by year. Uh, we have identified another 170 firms in the banking and finance industry moving some something due to Brexit and also the winner is Dublin. Uh, most companies are moving to Dublin. Uh, Dublin has been emerged as a clear winner in terms of attracting business from the UK with 135 firms choosing the Irish capital as a post-Brexit location. This represents 25% of all moves that we identified ahead of Paris with 102 firms, Luxembourg with 93, Frankfurt with 62 and Amsterdam with 48. In the long term we expect Frankfurt to be the winner in terms of assets and Paris in terms of jobs. A multipolar world so many firms are have deliberately split their business and chosen their cities as hubs for different divisions which means not everything is in London anymore so basically they're gonna be spread out with the rest of Europe different financial service centers have attracted different firms based on their sector for example a third of all asset management firms have moved something as a result of Brexit and they have chosen Dublin. 60% of the firms have chosen Frankfurt as their main EU base as banks and nearly two-thirds of firms moving to Amsterdam are uh, trading platforms, exchanging exchanges or brokering firms. And you can see we have identified around 7,400 staff moves or local hires in response to Brexit. And many of you know bankers are the highest paid people in the world and some of these guys that work in finance and hedge funds they earn six figure salaries and sometimes even seven figure salaries so they get paid a lot which means a lot of their tax receipts are not going to be going into Britain, Britain's tax coffers they're going to be going into Europe. Um, so you can see here 900 billion of bank assets is roughly 10% of the UK banking system. This is 2021 and I can guarantee 2022 is going to be much much more. 
the loss of influence. Um, Britain has lost its influence around the world. It's not a big um, trading hub anymore, not a big financial hub anymore. And because of politics as well, London is not safe to keep your money anymore either with the current sanctions on all Russian businesses and, and oligarchs and billionaires and millionaires, it shows that London is not a safe bet. So London is not a, a safe bet and people are moving out of London, businesses are moving out of London. The financial sector is going to be hit very hard over the next few years. And this is only touching the iceberg. You know, like I said, the coronavirus um, had delayed a lot of things. So over the next few years, the real impact is going to be felt in and around London. So you can see here, bankers quit London as Brexit relocations to EU step up. So now they are stepping up because we are reaching the end of the coronavirus pandemic and people are starting to relocate uh, away from London into uh, the rest of Europe. So you will see a lot of money going out of London. Number four, oil and gas. So as you know, the oil and gas has risen significantly um, over the past year and right now is at record levels. Britain cannot cope with the high price of oil and it can't cope with the high price of gas. Um, it's going to be heading straight into recession if this continues. So with the current um, conflict in Ukraine, obviously the prices are going up even further. And with all of these sanctions that Britain has sanctioned itself, not just Russia itself, and it will find it a lot harder to bring in oil and gas around from the world. So you see Brit uh, Boris going all the way to Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE, to beg for oil. Um, they pretty much rejected him. As you know, he's not taken seriously anywhere around the world. People ignore him in U EU. People ignore him in the rest of the world. He even phoned, phoned President Xi um, yesterday, I believe. Uh, again, you know, fell on deaf ears. Nobody takes this guy seriously. And because of him... We will be going into a very serious recession and this recession will last for years and I just do not see any other way around it. Not only that, the British people are suffering as well. British people's gas bills have risen not just twice but three times. Even my gas bill is going to go up by 50% this month and another maybe 80% in October and for some people who have bigger houses, bigger families, they're going to be two, three times, four, even four times more expensive. The cost of everything, especially energy, have now put an intense strain on my ability to provide for my children. The significant, in significant increase in our energy bill has meant that we don't have the boiler on. The lights are always off unless absolutely necessary and when it's cold we wear jumpers and coats and sometimes you can see our breaths when we breathe. Now, despite working a full-time job, I'm having to find ways to bridge the gap. I've started cleaning houses and I spend every evening riding a bike delivering for Uber Eats. I've managed to cut my grocery shop down to just £15 a week for an adult and two children and I often go without myself to make sure the kids get what they need and they're fed. 
A £150 grant towards energy bills, which have risen by an average of £2,000 a year, just isn't going to cut it. I've just about been able to balance things up until this point, but I'm now facing paying out more each month than I'm making. What are you going to do to address the soaring cost of energy? And if you're not doing anything, please tell me what else you suggest I can be doing to help myself. On energy bills in particular, you're right, they are going up. And we have something called the energy price cap, which has protected uh, people's bills from going up. But in April, it will go up. So on average... And October again. Well, first of all, it's going to go up in April. That's what we know. And it goes up on average from about £1,300 to £2,000. And that's going to affect almost everybody. And it's obviously a significant Mm -hmm. increase. So you see, he has not addressed any of the concerns made that by that woman and i can guarantee you that majority of people living in uk have the same issue as her a lot of people just cannot afford <clears throat> extra two thousand pounds for gas and with especially with all of the rising costs of everything it just cannot be done and i do not see a way out of this and i can see a lot of people having a lot of pain over the next few years and we are not going to get out of this that, that easily and Rishi Sunak and he can squirm all he wants and make up all of these excuses and budgets you know he's not here helping the people you know he he could easily take the profits of all of these gas companies and electricity companies because Shell and BP have made billions of profits over the years Billions of profit they're still making. The government can easily go back to these companies who have made billions and billions from the gas prices and over the years. And they can say, guys, um, you know, we are suffering. It's time you guys take a hit and get rid of some of your profits and share it amongst the people in UK because they are suffering. But that's never going to happen. Never going to happen, especially with the Tories. Number five, coronavirus. So what's the cost of coronavirus in the UK? And some figures have mentioned something close to 394 billion in 2020-2021. This figure would be much, much larger if you count 2021-2022 figures. So I estimate this to be way more than 500 billion. So Britain has basically gone along the same route as the Americans. Uh, They have been printing a lot of money during that time. It's called quantitative easing. And they have borrowed a lot of money. Um, They have given stimuluses to businesses and to people that have lost their jobs. And a lot of stimulus checks to businesses as well. A lot of people have also been doing a lot of fraud. And they have also spent close to 50 billion on a ridiculous NHS test and trace scheme which doesn't even work properly so again that's just money down the drain and all of this money they will have to pay back and at some point and this is why you know Britain is going to go into recession so Britain's debt to GDP ratio has gone over 100% is at 108% at the moment it was 100% last year which means Britain owes more money than it can make. This is really bad news for economic growth, which means they're going to have to pay a lot of money in terms of interest. And all this money they have borrowed for the coronavirus, 
they're going to have to start paying that back over the next few years. And a lot, of, a lot of these loans, you don't have to pay back till like a year later or two years later or three years later. They slowly add taxes here and there. But with the rise of living, with the huge energy prices, if they increase tax even more, Britain will literally start having riots because people will not be able to take more tax rises and I can see a lot of issues how they're going to reduce this debt to GDP ratio and I just don't see any way they can do it because their trade is down, the economy is down, everything is down because of Brexit, because of coronavirus, because of their foreign policy and I just don't see them turning this round at all, not at all. Britain has been benefiting from very high house prices over the years and its house prices are some of the most expensive in the world and living in London is very very expensive especially central London and even one bedroom flat would be up to like a million or a couple of million just to live in central London so it's really really expensive and over the years London property market has been rising mainly down to Russian billionaires buying properties and Chinese billionaires buying properties, Saudis, um, Emiratis. So you have a lot of rich people from abroad buying uh, really, really good pro properties in UK. And because of that, the prices have been rising. Unfortunately, for the average Briton, they cannot afford it. And they have to basically borrow money from the parents or they have to be in a relationship and you both have to put money in and you both got to be earning a really really good jobs and just to have a, a chance of buying property in UK so right now things are changing uh, you have a lot of Russian people moving out of UK and taking their money to Dubai and also the rise of interest rates which means a lot of people who could afford um, their interest payments or mortgage payments because the interest rates were so low, a lot of people could afford it and suddenly it's going to jump and a lot of people who could afford it before, now they cannot afford it. Plus you got all of these rising gas bills and rise of cost of living. A lot of people will probably default on paying mortgages. And I can see a 2008 scenario happening where property market completely crashed. A lot of people went into default because they couldn't pay for their mortgages. And property prices will probably crash in UK. And it will be a really severe crash and even bigger than the 2008 one. And I just don't think Britain is going to recover from it anytime soon. Then you will also see not only people defaulting, but you will also see a lot of property companies defaulting as well. You've got to also understand the cost of raw materials um, has shot up, absolutely shot up, gone up by 200-300%. Things like timber and building materials have just gone through the roof. So these property companies are not going to be making as much money as they did in the past. And a lot of them are basically banking on house prices rising so they can make profit. And if these house prices don't rise and they don't make a profit, I can see a lot of these um, companies going bust over the next year or so. So number seven, 
cost of living. I've already gone into this a few times in the video, so I'm not going to repeat it again. But I'm going to show you this video and I'm going to discuss it afterwards. You mentioned the pressure on Russia. Um, it's been reported uh, that, that you've got family links to, to Russia, that your wife apparently has a stake in the Indian IT consultancy firm Infosys. Um, they operate in Moscow. They have an office there. They have a delivery office there. They've got a connection to the Alpha Bank in Moscow. Are you giving advice to others that you're, you're not following in your own home? That's not, as a, I, I'm an elected politician and I'm here to talk to you about what I'm responsible for. Uh, my wife is not. She is not, but, but equally, if you, if you, you know, as, as a country, we are asking taxpayers to fund the UK's support for Ukraine. We're asking people in the UK to give their homes up to Ukrainian refugees. Where it, whereas it appears your family potentially could be benefiting from Putin's regime. No, I, I really I don't think that's the case. And as I said, uh, the, the operations of all companies are up to them. Uh, we've, we've put in place significant sanctions and all the companies that we are responsible for are following those, as they rightly should, sending a very strong message uh, to Putin's aggression. Do you know if Infosys is? I, I, have, I have absolutely no idea because I have nothing to do with that company. I'm showing you this video because Rishi Sunak's wife has got 490 million stake in the company operating in Moscow. And this company is called Infosys. It's one of the largest IT companies coming out of India. Her father is the main owner of Infosys. He's the guy who started, started it all up. So obviously she has a huge stake in, in that company and that company is still operating Moscow they haven't really sanctioned Moscow and they are working normally as it would so Rishi Sunak is profiting from all of this because it's his wife his wife makes the money and he makes obviously he's still married to her so they still profit with all of these money they are billionaires basically so they are asking the rest of UK to sanction Russia and pay more in terms of gas prices, uh, house all of these Ukrainians for £350 a month, which is nothing. Uh, while this guy is profiteering from emphasis and profiteering from a company still operating in Moscow, and it shows the double standards. They are here, they are forcing companies to get out of Moscow. And you see American uh, companies trying to get out of Moscow, like McDonald's and Starbucks. You know, there's a huge, you know, cancel culture out there. So, uh, but this guy is basically a millionaire. He's profiteering from Moscow. He's asking other people to sanction Russia while he's not sanctioning Russia himself or his wife isn't. And he's still making money out of Moscow. And this guy's a millionaire. He doesn't know what life is like for an average person in the street. That's why this guy is the worst person to be a chancellor to doing all of these budgets because he doesn't get it. He's not the average citizen in UK who can't make ends meet, who can't pay the electricity bills. This guy does not have any of these issues. So you see... People like him, people like Boris have no clue. Boris went to private school. You know, he's had a silver spoon in his mouth all his life. He doesn't know what it's like living in the streets and growing up in the hood in UK. You know, he, he's always had money. All of these politicians, all of them, they're all rich beyond means. It's all about capitalism with, with the Tories. And you have these idiots running the country and not 
realizing anything about money. So here they are sanctioning Moscow, thinking, yeah, yeah, let's sanction Moscow. And not even thinking what the costs are to the average citizen in UK. While it doesn't really matter to them because they've got the money, they've got the houses, they've got, you know, riches, they can do whatever they want, they can carry on with their lives. But the average citizen, the poor people in UK, they're the ones who suffer because of their policies. So it just goes to show, just double standards. Number eight, kicking out all of the billionaires. So England has been um, kicking out all of the Russian billionaires and seizing their assets. And it's shown to be a real puppet state of the United States. And it also shows that Britain is not safe anymore. If you're a billionaire, you want to invest in UK, it's probably not a good idea because Britain can easily snatch your assets. So you go look. You got this guy who, whose jets have been recently um, been um, taken by by Britain, and some of these oligarchs um, managed to sell their properties before getting out of the country. But most of them seems to be going into Dubai now. A lot of them are taking their money out of UK and into Dubai, and. We're talking about a lot of money because, you know, these oligarchs, these Russian billionaires, they have a lot of money. They have money invested in oil and gas and steel companies, raw materials. So they make a lot of money. So they're going to be taking all of their money elsewhere. And if they take money out of UK, that means less money in UK. You know, you got less people. Basically, if you spend your money in UK... Your money is basically goes back into the economy um, in tax receipts and things like that. Um, it gets circulated around the UK economy. If you take that money out of UK, it's the UK economy that's going to be suffering. So they're going to be taking their money out of UK and taking it to Dubai where Dubai will thrive. You know, they'll be happy with, with all of these billionaires paying money into properties and assets and buying expensive goods. So Dubai will reap the benefits and UK isn't and all of this stuff that UK has been doing in terms of kicking out these Russians and stuff you know a lot of billionaires are looking at this and thinking hang on a second if they can do that to the Russians if they can one day do it to me so I'm talking about the Chinese a lot of Chinese billionaires have invested in London um, already a few have, are starting to take their money out of London and you know if there's a war in the Taiwanese Strait in the next few years, they know that they would be affected. Um, so a lot of Chinese are starting to take their money out. A lot of people from Saudi Arabia and Dubai are taking it out. I know that for a fact because I know a lot of friends from Edgware Road and in Edgware Road in England you have a lot of rich um, billionaires, Saudis and Emiratis that live there. And a lot of my friends are saying that a lot of them are starting to put their properties for sale and they're basically you know gonna get out of there because they know at the moment saudi um, emiratis do not have a good relationship with the us and they do not have a good relationship with the uk and they know once they start selling oil other than us petrodollars like if they start selling it uh, with chinese rmb for example if they agree with a deal um they will be completely out of favor with the US and the US will very much push a lot of human rights issues on Saudi Arabia and maybe even you know have a war um, 
I know it's very unlikely, uh, but you cannot really rule it out. You've got to look at the past where previous puppets have fell out of favor out of the US and US had pretty much got rid of them. I'm talking about Saddam Hussein who um, was very much a puppy of the United States until one day he decided he wanted to sell oil which wasn't an American dollar. Uh, so they got rid of him. Same thing happened to Gaddafi in Libya and they also trying to get rid of Assad in um, Syria as well. So you see, anyone that goes against the US dollar or tries to sell oil outside of the US dollar, they are a target. And this is the reason why a lot of billionaires from the Middle East are now starting to move their money out of London and UK. Number nine, Scottish independence. So there is a currently a Scottish independent party who is in power and they want to send out another referendum um, and have a vote whether Scotland wants to be part of UK or not. And Scottish people are very much see themselves as Europeans. Most Scottish people had actually voted to stay in Europe and they also feeling very much isolated as well. It seems like a lot of the money seems to be going to London and but not much money seems to be going to the Scottish people and I found this article about the 10 good reasons why Scotland um, should be independent from UK and I thought I found number four most interesting securing oil funds in the North Sea. So Scotland Scotland oil and the only oil that Britain has is in the North Sea and the oil reserves in there are vast and if Scotland has um, becomes a country of its own it would be completely in charge of all of these oil and Scotland will in fact become one of the most richest most wealthiest countries in Europe because of it and you can see with the high oil prices right now if Scotland secures these oil fields Scotland would probably be more richer than England because England does not have any oil fields like Scotland does. So this is the reason why England will try and keep Scotland at all costs and Scotland will try and become independent at all costs because you know these oil fields and with the with the high prices right now England is pretty much taking all of that money and spending it on London and the other places and hardly any of the money goes up north to Scotland and Scottish, Scottish people would be much more better financially if they became independent plus they'll be linked to the rest of Europe as well which means um, in terms of trading um, that will shoot up and Scotland is also a very important place in geography for countries like China because once global warming comes into effect a lot of the ice caps um, in the Arctic Sea will start melting and there will be a whole new Arctic sea route and Scotland is the best place for a port for a lot of trade that could come from China and so there's a lot of um, benefits for Scotland to be independent. You will have its own identity, its own country, uh, people will be European in Scotland and I for one support Scottish independence because I think that better to leave this sinking sh ship 
sooner rather than later. And I think it's going to be good for Scotland in, in general. And I think it'll be great for the Scottish people. And after the Scottish independence, if it does happen, I can see Northern Ireland wanting to become independent from Britain as well. They'll probably want to reunify with Ireland and become one massive country. And I would support that as well. Wales, I don't think they will become independent from England because Wales are is a very very poor area um, they don't really have much resources so them becoming independent is not going to make much sense I think Wales will probably stay um, as part of UK uh, but definitely Scotland and Northern Ireland have got a very good chance of becoming independent and England will be much poorer because of it number 10 supply chains so as part of the Brexit, as well as Britain being Britain, the, there is a huge supply chain issue. Um, there is a shortage of over 100,000 qualified drivers in the UK, lorry drivers. And the funny thing is, Britain introduced a temporary visa for 5,000 lorry drivers to work in the UK. And although 20 out of the 300 applications have been approved so far, so you can see there is a huge issue with supply chains, not just lorry drivers, but jobs in general. Because while Brexit was happening, a lot of people from Eastern Europe used to come to UK and they used to work in jobs that British people don't want to do. We're talking about cleaning the streets and, you know, really job, bad, really bad job cleaning the sewers and, you know, bad jobs that you know britain british people just don't want to do so there's a huge amounts of these um shortage of jobs and lorry drivers is one of them and you know some of these lorry drivers drive in inhumane conditions they're stuck in traffic in uk traffic in uk is really terrible they're stuck in traffic in uk for 10 hours 12 hours and you know they have to sleep and drive without going into the toilets and it's really really is inhumane in UK and the pay is really bad in UK and they have better conditions in Europe so a lot of lorry drivers that are European just go back to Europe and just don't bother coming back to UK anymore because the conditions in Europe are much better the pay is better um, so a lot of lorry drivers just never bother coming back so UK has a huge issue with supply chains. Even to this day, when I go to the supermarket, there's so many empty shelves everywhere. And this issue is still going to be happening uh, in UK. There is still a supply issue. Um, there's not enough jobs. A lot of companies in UK still outsource their workloads to countries like India. Uh, like call centers and things like that and a lot of technology companies in U UK as well they outsource their technology work to India as well and they do it because it's cheaper a lot of clothes shops they have factories in um, Bangladesh and India even Pakistan uh, the point is a lot of companies in UK a lot of big ones they outsource most of their work uh, because it's cheaper elsewhere and the only jobs left in UK are ones that don't really matter. And, you know, a lot of people with skills, a lot of um, 
students with degrees climb and get a job these days and they end up get, getting these jobs which are poorly paid or they do stuff that nobody else wants to do. Britain has lost its manufacturing capacity. Um, it has a huge trade deficit with the rest of the world. It imports more stuff than it exports. And the manufacturing capacity in Britain is pretty much gone down. Hardly anything is made in England anymore. You can see here manufacturing production in UK fell 5.2% year on year. So every year is going down and down and down. Uh, more and more companies are going abroad where it's cheaper or outsourcing their goods or they're just importing goods from other countries which are cheaper. So England is not doing very well in terms of manufacturing, in terms of jobs and it's just going to get worse and worse. And you can see here UK car production down 41.3% in February. These figures are just going to get worse uh, with the increase in gas prices and electricity prices. Companies are going to be less and less competitive compared to the rest of the world and people are just going to buy things that are cheaper. For example, EV cars which are made much cheaper in China and all the goods are made cheaper in China. People rather import those than get it done in UK. So things are not looking good for UK. Uh, so what's the summary? Summary is Britain is turning into a third world country. Britain is falling behind the rest of the world. Um, it's not going to take too long before Britain becomes a third world country. A lot of British middle class are going to go into poverty because of the high cost of living, because of all the problems that Britain is having. The growth parts of the world are going to be Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, especially China. Um, you've got the RCEP ASEAN countries as well. Central Asia is going to be having huge amounts of growth as well. Um, so the growth is heading east at the moment and Europe has recently signed an LNG deal with the US so even Europe's economy is not going to be doing very well and if Europe doesn't do very well Britain is going to be doing even worse because at least Europeans can trade with each other with the euro for example. Britain is still doing the pound uh, the British pound is going down year by year, it's getting lower and lower, it's becoming poorer and poorer and if Europe does bad, Britain's going to be doing even worse and I just don't see any good things coming out of Britain this year or over the next few years and I think if things continue as it is, it will turn into a third world country and going back to my start of the video yes uh, Britain is screwed hope you enjoyed the video let me know what you think and I'll and I look forward to reading your comments and don't forget to like and share subscribe and if you really like the video you're welcome to join my patreon or you can buy me a coffee as well thank you very much and I'll see you in the next one